We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hicks will get the ball. Clippers take the shot clock violation. Knicks shooting below 36%. Not their season low, but the offense after a great surge during the win streak with work to do. Knicks losing their third straight first in the back-to-back. Final score in L.A. The Knickerbockers fall to the Clippers 106.95 here at Crypto.com Arena. Yikes. That was rough. <laughs> um, Guys, I wouldn't blame you if you couldn't tell. I'm not Jonathan Macri. Uh, John is probably currently several beverages in at the KFS Live Watch Party. Today, we have no J-Mac. We have no G-Mac, but we do got XJ. That's me. We got DJ right over there. Despite the rough loss, you know, I'm super excited to be on here with DJ, aka Ace Zulo on Twitter after this game, because for those who don't know, DJ is a super talented film analyst who is also the newest member of our KFS faculty family. DJ, I'm so glad you're here because, again, despite the really rough, uh, kind of mostly the fourth quarter and rough ending, there's so much to break down. And I think for at least part of the game, we watched kind of a a technical strategic game. And if anyone can help uh, break that down, it's you. But first, how are we feeling about what we just saw? Because I think we're going to get a lot of an expression of emotions from our viewers and in the chat and for good reason. Mm -hmm. So before we really get into the nitty gritty of breaking down schemes and player performances, like just what's your instant reaction to what we just saw? Yeah, you mentioned the emotion. And I think part of where that's coming from is that we saw our star player, number 30, sort of teeter on the verge of losing it. And it was worrisome there for a little bit, you know, whether or not he was going to go completely off the rails And it kind of felt like some of the dark days of last season, but he managed to at least get his composure to the point where he finished the game without any unnecessary actions that was going to get him into some sort of trouble, which I thought was a victory in and of itself. And we'll get into some of the strategic things and some of the schematic things, but you know, as is accustomed uh, to this team, you know, they played really hard. They, I thought their first half was awesome. I thought in the second quarter specifically, their pace was amazing. You know, that led by Josh Hart. And I just, I thought this team did everything they could have done to stay in this game. And then in the end, they just didn't have the shot making. And when you're going up against Kawhi Leonard, Paul George combining for 60 points, it's a, it's a tough hill uh, to climb. And we're just seeing the, byproduct of not having Jalen Brunson available because there are so many moments this season where there's just nothing happening for this team offensively where Brunson will go off and he'll just, you know, get an ISO bucket for you when you need one. 
And they don't have that guy, especially with the Julius not playing at his best right now, uh, to say the least. So I thought it was a matter of this team continuing their effort, which is commendable and something we need to celebrate. But in the end, it's and I tweeted this the other uh, this morning or the other day, you know, they can will themselves uh, doing some of the things on a basketball court that can keep them in ball games, but they just can't will themselves to get in the ball into the basket. And I think that was uh, where this game ended for them. So totally agree with all of that. I think it's interesting because we saw a really sluggish Knicks team early in the first, like mm. I think they had like six points in the first eight minutes. It was some kind of insane, like horrible scoring in the first it, quarter. It was 14 to four Clippers with six Oh nine remaining in the first. That's so there you go. Absolutely insane. Um, yeah. and, and they kind of had to fight their way into the game. Like for a mm-hmm. period we saw, you know, uh, them just trying to claw back in and struggle and, and, and scratch and claw on the defensive end. And they did a great job. They fall back into the game. Then we saw a really physical game. Mm-hmm. Um, a defensive struggle until the offense is caught up, caught up later on the Knicks end. Like you said, kind of starting with that second unit coming in in transition, Josh Hart push, pushing the pace. Um, we saw a lot of good stuff from Hardenstein, Obi. We'll, we'll talk a little, a lot about that later. Um, but then we just saw the Clippers strength, you know, their top mm-hmm. dogs, their top dogs are, yeah, man, they're good, man. <laughs> Those guys they're healthy, they're healthy <laughs> and good. good. Oh man. Kawhi it's Leonard right. is, yeah. is, I don't think you could stop that guy. I don't Not right now. Can. He had an alley-oop uh, during the game where it was off two feet and his head was near the rim. He had the full extension. I mean, he looks, and it's, you know, if you're an NBA fan, it's great to have Kawhi Leonard healthy, but for the Knicks, he's just a matchup that is, almost impossible for them to to contend with, you know, one of the, as good as they are defensively, the Knicks at times had not having that really long wing defender can come into, into hunt them. And against a Clipper team that, you know, you're going to put a lot of guys in the mid post in ISO and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that are six, seven up. It's, it's just a tough matchup and Quentin Grimes, he'll do his best. And RJ for the most part, I think, you know, tries his best, but it's just, it's the tough matchup really hard. Just a tough matchup for the Knicks, these two wings. And that's why really the Clips can compete with anyone, no yeah, matter man. what the records say, because nobody has two wing stoppers that can shut those two guys down. The Knicks mm-hmm. especially don't. We don't have the size on the wings. Like you said, Grimes and RJ kind of just aren't big enough, aren't long enough, aren't strong enough to either handle both of those guys. But I don't think anyone does. Um, and we talked about Kawhi, like, you know, I, so I pride myself on being kind of like a basketball robot. Like I'm just this AI who cares about the data and the number. Mm-hmm pro tanking when it's rational, blah, blah, blah. But kind of analogous to that is how we see Kawhi on the court. Like Kawhi is just a robot and he just dissected the Knicks in the second half, especially in that third quarter from all three levels. Um, Like we said, they don't have the wing stoppers to do much about it. He looked explosive. But then when we also see PG playing how he was asserting himself physically hitting shots um, again, we'll talk about some of the schematics later, but I, I just, don't think there was a ton we could do. And the Knicks were really in essence, as you touched on DJ really without their top two, their top two players, because they were totally without JB, obviously mm. please get well soon. Um, <laughs> and they were essentially without Randall because this is, you know, this wasn't the Randall we've become accustomed to expecting all season. This wasn't all-star Randall, um, potentially all, um, all NBA Randall. This was, this was kind of last year's Randall. And I, I hope he gets his things, uh, his things together. Um, this is kind of just my, my takeaway is sort of a transition into highlighting players. So we'll, we'll, on that Randall note, we're kind of talk about that. Mm-hmm. I just thought Randall was exhausted. Um, I thought he had no legs. He was short on every shot. Um, I thought he was fighting as much as he could down low, but 
didn't have the requisite elevation and strength to beat these other elite elite athletes. Um, I thought there was that one moment in third quarter. I wrote this down when Randall got the ball down low. He's basically wide open um, with Plumlee trying to recover to him. And he pump faked instead of yep. just going straight up and attacking. And then he kind of like meandered down there and then tried to kick the ball out to the corner. I think it ended up being a turnover. I don't remember what happened on the possession, but honestly, that was just like symbolic of just an inability to muster the strength and the energy to do what he's been doing all season. Um, and I just personally, I just hate that he made those comments about load management. Um, I think that he's sort of become the pseudo anti load load management poster boy now. And he's mm-hmm. sort of boxed himself into having to play every game. Um, I think he needs a break uh, in general. I, I, I generally believe in load management to an extent, and we don't even have to get into that philosophical discussion, but I just think he's exhausted in addition to not playing well. And beyond that, I think his not playing well affects, affects his mental health and then we see him frustrated with the lack of calls. Definitely. There was a lack of calls that was absolutely valid. Um, but his frustration cost them points was damaging to his overall psyche. Um, you know, at one point the entire coaching staff and the players are all focused on calming him down instead of what what's going on in the game. And it's just not great for anyone. So, and as Alan Hahn talked about during the, uh, on the call, the momentum completely shifted at the end of that third quarter. And it started with that, that foul and then flagrant um, on Randall and, and they just got smoked in the fourth. So yeah, that, that was kind of my big takeaway. Yeah. I mean, you're right there. The Clippers got three points out of that, uh, the t- um, including the technical foul. So they went up going to the fourth and Randall, at that point was on the bench. Clippers went on a little bit of, of a run to extend the lead, but I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of his legs, not being there. That is uh, going to affect you not only down low, but also your, your shot. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where as I think about it, you know, can that Boston game have such an impact on this team or on Randall specifically, because quickly really turned things around and played really well. And we'll talk about how, how good he was this game. I thought that there are times where he was as good as anyone on the floor. And I just think that for Randall, you know, it's, it's so stark the difference between Boston and what we've seen the last um, couple of games, but Yep. You know, there's certainly something going on on there and this could be just a product of him just, you know, a, a, not a, an elite shooter, just having a, a few games where he, the shot isn't falling. But I remember that play in the third quarter where he pump faked and maybe that's a, a situation where you're not confident that if you go up strong and into the chest of Plumlee that you're going to get the call. I know yep. he did have eight, he had eight free throws. So you know, that's a, that's a solid number, but I do think there was, he was such, there was such physicality happening. And I think, uh, Tyron Lue had, had that going into this game that they were going to, to be physical with Randall and they have the, the guys that could do it. And, you know, uh, Morris is more than willing to throw his body around. And certainly him and uh, Julius got into it on a few occasions, but you know, I think that played a, played a, f- a factor in that. And then the other thing is, you know, Brunson has assisted Randall on 116 plays uh, this year. That is a lot of open shots that Randall is just not getting when Jalen Brunson is not uh, on the floor. Yeah. And then that everything else is just tougher. You know, RJ is not assisting him on that, on that level quickly is just not the gravitational pull that Brunson is. So when you're forced to sort of, and you're already an ISO heavy player to elevate that with no Jalen Brunson, that has to have, um, uh, an impact. And as I'm processing it, maybe that's more of the, where the fatigue is coming into than playing a lot of minutes against Boston. Um, when Brunson is not there, his load, his, the, the, uh, what the Knicks need from him is increased and everything is just a little bit tougher. 
I think that's an incredible point just because I think that they're missing Brunson for sure from an on court, you know, play style, spacing on the court, mm-hmm. taking the load off of Randall, all of that stuff matters. But the, to me, JB's like all NBA potential case comes down to just his intangibles, the intangible impact that he has on the court. And it's weird coming from me, the data guy. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I don't think we see some of these Randall blowups when, when JB's out there. I think he's a calming force. Again, we talk about it all the time. If he needs to, he can be make one of his shifty moves, get down low and get a bucket when they, when they need him to. But also like guys just seem more confident when he's out there. And I, I just think e- even when he's not playing, but just the fact that, you know, he's coming back in, I, I think there's some intent intangible things that are going on with Brunson being off. Um, and I just, I think we really need him to get back. You did mention quickly, uh, I think despite the loss again, there's a, a ton of really good things to talk about and a, a lot of good takeaways um, to me, namely everybody on the bench and Emmanuel quickly. Mm. Um, I thought the bench played excellent, quickly played excellent. I, let's start wherever you want to. Who, who do you want to talk about? Well, I thought, yeah, uh, for sure, quickly. But I thought Obi had a nice game and he was 0 for 4 from 3. Uh, but even with that said, I thought his ability to get in transition was certainly impactful. And it kind of reminded me of the Obi of last season where he was such an impact getting uh, leaking out when he, you know, on a timed uh, situation and getting out in transition and then just having the guys that can get him the ball. I mean, that's been such a, a key in terms of Josh Hart, his sort of camaraderie with Obi has been apparent almost since the, the moment he put on a Nick uniform. So just to see Obi get in there and finish in the paint, huge for this team. And, you know, he's, he, again, I mentioned the old for four, the three point shooting is a low key concern. I mean, it's been that we're going on a, a decent stretch where Obi's um, three point shot has not been there, but if he can sort of become the guy that he was at times his rookie season. And then most of last year in terms of being a dynamic finisher in transition, that'll go a long way in terms of giving this second unit, the thing that really makes them good. And that is that pace that they have. And even when Brunson is going to, when Brunson comes back, this second unit has some features that really separates themselves from that, uh, from their starters. And I think that's, that's sort of, and, and obviously they're very talented, but when you put those two things together, you can have a second unit that can really sort of change the game. And this team can really move fast. They push the pace a lot against the Kings um, off live rebounds, off makes. And that that's led a lot by quickly uh, heart and top. And I think those three guys and RJ for, for a, a lot of those uh, for a lot of, ways um i struggle with but his ability to generate transition opportunities off his rebounds is certainly key so i think ob getting out in transition is a big thing and i thought he really showed maybe some signs that he can be sort of turning over a new leaf in terms of like how well he's going to play because the three-point shot may or may not be there but he certainly can be a finisher in the paint and get out and just be an impact as a um transition opportunity guy yeah, I absolutely agree with all of that. I the, You hit the nail on the head with pace. As far as Obi, right? Like, I think Obi is the, the biggest player that I've ever seen with regard to like his play goes and comes with his confidence. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's confident when he, when he dribbles, <laughs> when he's willing to attack off the dribble, even yeah. like on a closeout that, that one play that he did where um, I think Hardenstein got the rebound, it threw it out to Obi. He pump faked. I think it was on Paul George dribbled around him, floated kind of to his left and hit that like floating layup. Lefty finish. Yeah. Lefty finish floating yeah. on, uh, on his left side. Like, if you mm-hmm. see Obi make a play like that, 
he's got it going because it's just all about confidence. And, and I think the biggest thing for him to work on, of course, he needs to get his three point shot more stable. Like you said, we we've seen kind of a sustained downturn in his shooting. Uh, I don't know what number of games, maybe the last 20 games, maybe 25. It's been a while, but he hasn't shot well. Um, But his biggest improvement to me is just getting his handle a lot better because when he can dribble, when he feels like he can pump fake an attack as opposed to pump fake and just, and just, you know, make a pass or just do dribble handoffs. Um, mm-hmm. It opens up uh, the whole floor for him. It opens up his entire game. Um, I love that play. I loved, um, there was a couple of other plays that he made. And then I think the Clippers just forgot the scouting report. Like when Obi is closing out on a three point shooter, he's not coming back. <laughs> he's going <laughs> right. to keep going. <laughs> he's going to the rim on the other end. <laughs> you might want to put somebody back there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had, he had one of those like diving, those, those classic diving uh, Obi closeouts uh, on a shooter. And then he just kept going to the rim heart threw him that pass and he, he finished it on that end. So um, that was a huge, huge, huge positive for me. Um, coming into this, uh, coming out of this game, another one kind of low key uh, is Isaiah Hartenstein. I think he played really, really well, and I don't know if it was seeing the Clippers um, and they decide the Knicks mm-hmm. decided to to showcase the 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 old Clipper Isaiah Hartenstein, but they actually ran a ton of offense through him at the um, you know at the top of the key. There were there were several buckets where. Harnstein kind of had the ball at the top. Guys were running curls around him and he was just throwing really solid passes like he is able to do. Um, and guys were finishing in the lane. I, I, I think we saw it like two, three, four, maybe five times. Um, McBride score uh, got fouled once off of uh, a Harnstein pass. Um, quickly ran, ran a curl around him and, and scored mm-hmm. one time. So I, I thought we saw a ton of Hartenstein, um, Hartenstein, uh orchestration. And I was really excited about that. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess with Jalen Brunson not being there, you have to diversify your offense. And he had three assists, um, as you alluded to, in 19 minutes, which was sort of uh, in line with how he performed with the Clippers through a lot of that uh, season last year. And, you know, he he had three offensive rebounds. He's just been solid for a while now. And it was it's, it's seemingly after that play, that stop against Donovan Mitchell in New York, in that game where it, the game went down to the wire and he had the biggest stop of the game. And since from that moment on, he has just been worth every penny and then some of, for this Nick team that signed him in the offseason. And yeah, he's been he's been really solid. And, you know, Mitch hasn't been great the last couple of games. So, you know, that's been a little bit of a frustration, especially coming from a guy, you know, me who really uh, appreciates him and, and really tries to promote how good Mitch has been, but he has not been that, that strong the last couple yeah. of games. So he did have that one moment, which we'll get to in the moments of the game. I thought where he really um, kind of uh, showed out a little bit, but yeah, Hartenstein's been great. And I think without Brunson, you have to, as I mentioned, do a little bit, maybe more of that is, is in the cards that Brunson is going to be out for a few more games because you know, there's just not a lot of shot making on the individual level isolation beyond Julius right now. Quickly, it can do it some RJ a little bit, but that's pretty much it. There was a lot of like there was more moments where Josh Hart had to make a play with the shot clock running down than I was ever I was comfortable with. He made one in the fourth quarter, a little pull up midi uh, turnaround from the uh, from the the paint area. But there was another play where he kind of uh, pump faked and didn't end up getting a good shot at the at the rim. He's not a guy you want with the ball closing down on a shot clock. So the Knicks really knew, do need to sort of manufacture points without Brunson. But we're just seeing how Im- impactful JB really is to this team. I mean, it's he's if this is isn't going to shine a light on how important he is in terms of um, his value to this roster, then I don't know what is because their offense has really sort of tanked a little bit since he's been out. 
For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest. With keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and protein-plus meals on the menu each week, prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 35 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 36 plus quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery. In just two minutes, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor because each meal is prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. You know that your Factor meal has all of the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. 
And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to select vegan plus veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, there really is no easier way to eat well. Achieve and maintain your goals this year with Factor. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time, eating well, and living your best year ever. Don't hesitate. Head to factor75.com filmschool60 and use code filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code filmschool60 at factor75.com slash filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. Absolutely. And and you point to those instances where Hart kind of had the ball late and needed to create something. Like you said, he, he hit that turnaround midi that one time, but it's like, we don't, we don't want we don't to see Hart in too many no. situations. No, he's, he's, he's been <laughs> awesome for the Knicks, but not, it's yeah. not his forte. No, that, that that's no. not his strength. We want to see him pushing the pace. You know, mm-hmm. he, Hart is an absolute menace for the ball. Like unbelievable how he just tracks the ball no matter where it goes. I don't know if that's something you can teach or I, it, it's really strange, but I, you don't see players like him at his size do that at all. No, he's got um, a little bit of that Dennis Rodman ability to sort of track the ball as yep. it's in the air. And yep. he's so he's he's not like the most athletic guy, but he's super quick and short spurts, so he can get to that spot, sort of be aware where the ball is going to carry him off. And I know Mike Brown's, you know, after that Kings game was talking about how they never got a body on him, but I, I just feel like he's it's he's he's just not in the same spot ever. He's always moving, he's always shifting. So I imagine like you know he's been a great offensive rebounder literally since the moment he became an NBA player. So. I just, I just think he makes it really tough. His movement and his ability to sort of understand where the ball is going to come. And we know that, you know, Dennis Rodman was famous for that. So there's something there that's beyond just effort and beyond just uh, athleticism. He has a certain awareness of where that yep. rebound is going to be, which yep. puts him in that in, in position to sort of gain those offensive rebounds. And you say that, that, that Mike Brown was saying like, you know, we're not getting a body on heart. It's that's just one of those moments where it's like, coach, you go try to do it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because this guy is everywhere. He's constantly moving. Mm -hmm. He's kind of unpredictable. He's just shifty somehow. And and yeah, he just knows where the ball's going to go. Like I, I, yeah, it's, it's really amazing to watch. And Mm -hmm. his impact was completely felt on this game. I, I just thought the best part of this game was the minutes with Hart, Obi, Hartenstein. Um, I think, IQ was out there or RJ. I'm not sure which one, but um, th- those minutes were great and, and just really were the highlight to me. Uh, you you touched on Mitch. I mean, I think we should at least touch on both Mitch and RJ. Uh, you know, start where you'd like. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we'll go with you know, RJ. It's, you know, a moment. These are games that you need him to sort of elevate to a point where you can count on him to, to give you that 25 to 30 in a semi-efficient way. And he did it in the Boston game where he scored 29 and it wasn't the most amazing game performed, but you just need to grind out points sometimes. And it seemed like in the third quarter, and I noted it, that things were just turning for him. And I thought, you know, he played 12 minutes and change in the first half and clearly um, it was a message from the head coach. Like, listen, you are not defending. You're not making shots. So you're not going to play. And it was an extended absence in the first half. So he comes out in the third and things are just like working for him. He's getting out in transition. He had a pass that quickly for a three. Um, he had that three pointer from the top of the key. He had yep. a couple of finishes. Things were just sort of turning for him. It seemed. And then it, it kind of lapsed and then it was over and he's, he's going to finish the game. I'm pulling up his stats now, five of 12. 11 points in a game where you're going up against two of the best wings in the NBA. I don't need RJ to match them. 
you know, it's just too much to ask, but he's played well against the Clippers in the past and he's played well against these two wings in the past. And it's just frustrating that he wasn't up to the task and for this team to sort of maintain their positioning in the playoffs right now. Yeah. yeah good point. He's huge. I mean, he's yeah. just, it, it is what it is. So it, it, I get, I get where he is in his career. This is, we're not writing the epitaph uh, at all. This is, a, he's got many, many more levels to go Absolutely. as a player, but right now where this team is, he needs to be accountable and he needs to sort of make this uh, kind of put a stamp on the season, which has been up and down to say the least uh, for him, right. And for uh, RJ Barrett. Yeah, up and down season, just like mm-hmm. another up and down game. Um, I just think to weather the JB, not having JB storm, you know, we're just going to need more out of RJ. I, I, I don't think he can force it to happen, but I think where he can force it to happen is on defense. And I, mm-hmm. and that was my main takeaway from the first half to the second half. The defensive effort and ability was vastly different. Um, I agree. In the, in the first half, we had a bunch of like weak closeouts by RJ. Um, you know, Morris hit one on a weak closeout. We had some like that one play where it was like a really lazy pass uh, by RJ to Randall and Kawhi, yeah, Kawhi just picked took it, it and yeah. just dunked it. It was just, yeah. Um, that was rough because it was like RJ kind of dribbling right on the right side. He got mm-hmm. trapped. He didn't, doesn't have the dexterity or handle to sort of yep. beat that. So yeah. he's, at that point, he's kind of stuck. He, and then he compounds it by throwing, as you mentioned, that lazy pass. And yeah, that was like actually the first moment where we saw the Julius Randall frustration. Alan Hahn <laughs> even noted it on the broadcast. Right. So, you know, it certainly sort of steamrolled for Julius as the game progressed. But that was the first moment where you saw that, you know, Julius mentally was a little edgy, to say the least. Totally. And yeah. and that I think that was a trigger. I think that tends to be a trigger for Julius is mm-hmm. other, his teammates' mistakes. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting. But um, yeah. but even besides that, yeah, I, in the second half, I thought RJ was so much better, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I think you make a make a great point clearly there was a message sent. Like if you're not going to put in this effort on the defensive end, you're, you're not going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came out much better locking in. It's going to be a tough matchup. No matter what you're playing against PG, you're going to give up buckets. It's, it's going to happen a couple of times. You know, PG flipped his hips and abused them and got to the rim. But a, a few other times he played good defense. And then he started attacking the rim, getting downhill was yep. in a lot more control was a lot more stable able to kind of plant and stop short. I just, I want to get lessons from JB on like, you know, slowing down when you start getting into the paint and just yeah, that deceleration, that, yeah. The deceleration, things just yep. open up. And RJ did a lot of that in the second half when he's, when he wasn't able to get all the way to the rim, you know, yeah, RJ's that's tend, a great tends point. to be like a, either I get all the way to the rim or it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and he's starting to incorporate that deceleration into his game. Yeah, you're hundred percent. I mean, there are certain, there are certain guys, Lucas, um, obviously arguably be the, the best master. in the league at it in terms of like changing speeds. And then as you get to the rim, sort of decelerate, decelerating, and then your the defense is completely thrown off. Uh, Julius has shown that a few times, but Brunson is an absolute master at it and quickly yep. is, has really taken some of those little tricks uh, of the trade. And as you, as you mentioned, uh, RJ, uh, I think his first step is underrated and he is, once he's getting downhill, there really isn't a lot you can do with him if he gets his shoulders in front of you. But then when he has a rim protector coming over, when you change speeds on them, it's like, if you're a base, you're a hitter, a guy could be throwing 95, 95, 95, but you can time that. And eventually you're going to, you're going to uh, manage the time and, and get a good swing on the ball. Yep. But changing of the speeds in baseball and basketball, these things matter. And for RJ, that's certain, certainly something that, he, as you mentioned, he, he needs to improve upon. But 
four or five to start the third um, in terms of the field goals. I mean, it just seemed like I was going to get, I was really sort of hoping for that RJ moment in the second half where he was going to put the team on its back. Julius is not feeling it. JB's down and it didn't come to fruition. So uh, yeah, a little frustrating for that. A little frustrating for that. And and just before we get to the uh, Weiss and Rosenblum personal injury report, I, 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 you saying the fastball, 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 and then uh, not kind of incorporating that change up or, or something to throw off the hitter just made me think of Russell Westbrook in this game. Oh yeah, (laughs) Russell Westbrook was just out of control in transition, attacking, attacking, attacking and missed like a few bunnies. And just, you know, I, I, I I, I wish Westbrook played a lot more minutes in the second half. I know he had a couple of finishes where he just slamming the ball off the backboard (laughs) and it's, like I do that sometimes. I'm like, Russ, <laughs> you can't still be doing this. Yeah, um, it, it was, it's right. And he's given quickly some fits because uh, he's such a power guard at this point. But yeah, it was almost like, let him get to the rim because it's not going to work out uh, pretty for him when he gets there. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. Uh, Justin, let's do the, the Weiss and Rosenblum personal injury report uh, presented as always by the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum personal injury attorneys. Uh, call Weiss and Rosenblum today uh, at 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Consultations are free. And of course, they don't get paid unless you do. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Um, And like we said, speaking of veterans, the Nick Sage veteran and leader Jalen Brunson was out today um, with a sore left foot. And... You know, his impact was missed as, as sorely as his foot is. Uh, and um, I think initially also Isaiah Hardenstein was listed as probable on the injury report, but thankfully he played um, like, I don't think this would have been a great game for Sims. And and I, I felt personally just to my eye, Hardenstein was like one of the best players on the court for a lot of the game. So um really glad that Hardenstein was able to, 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 to tough it out and, and yes. get some minutes despite getting injured at the last game. Yeah, and I'm I'm torn. I want JB back as soon as possible, but also want that that foot completely healthy. But it's going to be a struggle without him. Uh, and uh, this is a, this is now a coaching thing as much as it is a player thing because they need to figure out a way to manufacture some points here. And if that's incorporating Grimes as a movement shooter a little more, um, but th- without Jalen Brunson, there th- this is all hands on deck. And right yeah. now we just need him. Have that foot healthy because without him, this team is certainly diminished. I'm very hopeful that there is just, you know, there's just some optimistic part of this, this injury for Brunson, which is that he gets time to rest and Mm -hmm. recuperate and is not suffering from some of this exhaustion that I think Julius Randall is suffering from. Um, So I'm hoping that, you know, the foot gets back to hundred percent. And on top of that, the rest really helps them down the stretch run and into the playoffs. So that, that's really what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Glass half full, right? Glass half full. Yeah. Um, and let's segue into our moment of the game uh, before we get right into the super chats. I mean, it's, it was tough just because I, I think a lot of times the moments of the game happen late in the mm-hmm. game, but late in the game was like the worst part of the game for the yeah. Knicks. Um, I have a couple moments I'm looking at. I mean, one is the, the Obi Toppin, uh, a pump fake and attack floating yep. left, uh, you know, to his left side and, and finishing off the glass. I, I really appreciated that one. Do you have a few that you want to nominate? Sure. I mean, it felt big at the time, but that Julius three to cut the Clipper lead to 47, 46 yeah. um, towards the end of the second um, quarter. It just felt like he had gotten his rhythm, not his rhythm, but he sort of, 
got his mind right. And it seemed like he was finding his way a little bit. And, and obviously we know now it didn't, uh, it, it didn't suggest anything was going to be happening positively for him in the second half. And then the other one I, I thought was, uh, Mitch and I mentioned, I didn't think he played great, but he did have, um, eight offensive rebounds, two of which came in one play where he sort of volleyballed the ball, a second jump to got a second offensive rebound on the same play, ended up putting the ball back in to make it 68 to 66. Yeah. I thought that, that was a really, really good clearly. play. Um, yeah. So I think those two felt big at the time. And as you mentioned, uh, not much in terms of the positivity as the game uh, wind, wound down, but those two felt, felt big. And I thought, you know, again, there were uh, that Mitch play, especially high effort. Mm-hmm. So you commend that and Tibbs continues to to really generate a lot of effort from this uh, ball club. Yeah, I think we should go with those three. I mean, I, I would want to highlight one of RJ's drives in the in the second half, but there's not specific one that felt like a big moment necessarily, just that he was kind of getting it going. Um, you know, a potential other option is the one I said, like Obi the closeout on the three and then Hart to Obi transition dunk. Well, but, yeah, I mean, quickly had a really nice end-to-end finish with the left yes, hand to make it yes. 73-72. Uh, he had a couple of those plays quickly where... was really good in transition today. Yeah, yeah. just grabbing, going, and even when he didn't uh, ge- generate the the rebound, just getting that initial pass and just uh, get, getting down court and really generated some nice looks. And that lefty finish was phenomenal. It was a Euro step leading to the lefty finish. And mm-hmm. his finishing at the paint has been a, just a. It's it's everything for him because we all, all know the floater, which hasn't really been there in the last couple of games. And we know he's a great shooter, but to be able, be able to finish at the basket with uh, either hand, big for him. And I thought that play specifically was uh, really big. Totally, totally right. And, and, and one thing is attacking closeouts quickly is amazingly does amazingly at, but yeah. also Quentin Grimes does, which we haven't mentioned Quentin Grimes yet, but in that first quarter or in that first half, Grimes was excellent. Attacking was. closeouts, collapsing the paint, getting into the teeth of the defense and kicking it out or finishing himself. There was just a moment where, uh, you know, a stretch of like three or four minutes where I'm like, Grimes is like the best player on the court right now. Um, he kind of went quieter as the game went on, but, but Grimes did have a, a really great impact. He did. And by the way, didn't make a three pointer. So you, you talk about you know, yeah. his ability to, to sort of impact the game without making a shot. Him and quickly, you know, we had talked about how the game started off slowly. It was 16 to, to six or 14 to four Clippers was 609. From like that point forward, quickly and Grimes were just quicker than anyone on the floor and seemed to generate a, a, a lot of good things for, uh, for the Knicks and Grimes uh, multiple times beating closeouts, finishing, had a, had a really nice and one play off a Josh Hart pass. I thought he played really well and defensively he competes. It's just, you know, six, four, six, four in the end. And when you're going up against a guy, six, eight, six, seven, it's, it's tough. Um, I think Grimes is much more, his ability as a defender really is highlighted when he's against shiftier, smaller guards, but ones and twos, twos, right. The Donovan Mitchells, he can do a little more to impact their game versus like Kawhi Leonard because his size is a, is a limitation, but I agree with you. I thought he played really well. And for him to play well without the three pointer falling is it just highlights how, how well-rounded he is as a, as a basketball player. Absolutely. I totally agree with all that. Um, so, but I think for, for the moment of the game, we'll probably go with the three that we mentioned off the top. Obi yep. with the pump fake and attack to the basket, um, finishing with the left Julius to hit the three to cut the lead and Mitch multiple offensive rebounding effort. I think those are probably the the, the top three moments. Um, let us, I, I can't wait to see what people have to say about this game. I, I'm just really curious what, what, what the super chats are going to be like. Let's, let's segue over into it. 
Um, uh, yeah, DJ, let's let's do the thing we talked about before the game. We go back and forth reading the super yeah. chats. You want to start yeah, out so with this one? Don Cupicidi, uh, great effort again. I totally get it. If JB needs to rest out the rest of the road trip, but if we if he can go, let him go. I am uh, of the belief with a healthy JB, we would be of uh, we would have been riding eleven game win streak into today. And I think that kind of I mentioned that that speaks to my what I'm dealing with in my head, like part of me wants him back as soon as possible, but also kind of need him healthy. And, you know, I think, I definitely think they would have gotten at least one of these uh, last couple of games with a healthy uh, Brunson or at least for the whole game against the, the, the Kings. And I thought they would have had a good shot today. So yeah, man, they need him back and they need, they need him healthy. He's just, he's so important because there's not a, this isn't a really, high level motion offense, like the the warriors where there's cutting and there's back cuts and there's a, a lot of screens or sh- uh, shooting off movement. This offense is while you can certainly add some, some things like that. We talked about Hartenstein being more of a impact on the offensive end. These are, you're, you're, you're sort of like changing things on the edges. This, the offense is the offense and yep. for it to work, you need guys to be able to make shots against good defenders in isolation situations. And Absolutely. Brunson is, as good as it gets. So yeah, get them back healthy, but don't come back too soon. You, you, you need guys who are going to be able to get to, into the teeth of the paint on their own, who are going to be able to be able to create their own shot. Randall really wasn't able to most of this game. And if Randall can't do it well, and Brunson's out, we're going to have a tough time. There's only so long. I think that this team can rely on transition buckets, Hart pushing the pace guys like Hardenstein running offense from, uh, from kind of the pinch post area or the, or the top of the uh, top of the key. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, Brunson is everything for this team. Um, Dom. Yeah. Thanks so much for the generous contribution. I, I I think that this is like, this is just the other side of the coin, right? Is should JB, if he's at all ready to play at all, should he just, should we just throw him in there or should we let him have a chance to rest? Like, you know, yes, I totally agree. We would get a win or two more out of these last three games. Is that worth the trade off for what it might cost you later in the, in the season and potentially in the playoffs? It's really hard to say these things can't be broken down to like a math equation. I think I agree. And then who's making the call, right? Is this and coming from who's, is this coming from Tibbs? Is it coming from, obviously there's going to be a collaboration, but yeah, this is kind of when you need to have a organizational philosophy in terms of wh- when he's playing, because we know what the coach is going to think. And I th- I'm not saying this as a, a criticism of uh, Tom Thibodeau, but I think most coaches, it, you know, they're going to want their guys playing if they can, if they're healthy. And I yep. think there's something to be said about, you know, kind of pushing the the boundary in terms of keeping them out a little longer because we already saw one uh, re-injury. So we don't want a second one. And and speaking of the organizational philosophy, I think what we just saw was kind of these two opposing organizational philosophies with regard to playing time, because we yeah. see the Clippers as like the poster team for this, like load management. Kawhi's going to, Kawhi's going to, we're, we're saying Kawhi's going to play 50 games this year. Like that's mm-hmm. what we're just saying at the beginning, no matter whether he's healthy or not, Paul George is going to get load managed. Um, and the Knicks on the other end of the spectrum, we're like, Hey, if these guys can walk, they're out there <laughs> and and they're playing 35 to 38 minutes. Uh, so yeah. Th- thanks so much, Dom. Appreciate the the super chat as always. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.